Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Warren Cash basket of MasterCard, Visa, PayPal, Block, and equal weightings. The inception date of July 24th, 2017. It's worth noting, this basket is still up 130% versus the market's 105%. So even with this pullback, Specifically, I mean, I look at companies like Block and PayPal, even with the pullback in companies like those, the basket is still outperforming. I'm Mary Long, and that's Jason Moser, a lead advisor here at The Fool and our go-to guy when we want to talk the war on cash. As we close out the year, we'll be bringing you some industry-focused style episodes, where a couple analysts get together to discuss standout stocks in a given industry. Today, Jason is joined by Matt Frankel to tackle the world of payments. Let's go ahead and just start this show off with Let's call it the big four, Matt, right? The war on cash basket. We get questions about this basket all the time. Uh, people are very interested in these companies. I mean, it's, it's something we've talked about for many, many years. As a reminder for listeners who may not be as familiar, we're talking about, in, in specific, Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, and Block. Uh, those are the four companies that make up the official war on cash basket. Though, hey, listen, we encourage all listeners, hey, get creative. Make make the war on cash basket that's right for you. It doesn't have to be those four, right? We've even talked about a war on cash basket part two on these shows before. But Matt, we're going to kick it off with these four specifically. And I want to start with the two big toll booths, right? Visa and MasterCard, because these are kind of the these are the ones that are always just kind of in your face, so obvious, and yet some folks will say you know, these are these are these are companies that are headed the way of the dodo bird, right? Crypto and Web 3.0, they're going to obsolete these networks. But I tell you, to this point, Matt, it really doesn't feel that way at all. Yeah, we haven't revisited the war on cash basket in quite some time. Um, we looked like mad geniuses for the war on cash basket in around 2021 for a while there. <laughs> Now it's they're, it's doing okay, but you know we're <laughs> it's kind of come back to earth a little bit, but. You mentioned Visa and MasterCard, and I don't want to get into what I think crypto is going to do or not do, because it's not that long of a show. But I, this, my short answer is both of these businesses are not going anywhere. We can kind of cover them in one one swoop, because they're I'd say they're like 95% the same company. It does feel like this is kind of a Lowe's Home Depot situation, right? When you cover one, you kind of cover the other. They're a little bit different, but they really are kind of, they're the two that really rule the roost. Yeah, like like one's thirty percent bigger than the other, kind of like a Lowe's Home Depot situation, and the numbers look pretty similar. Like if if I look at the most recent quarter, both of them grew revenue by the exact same amount, up eleven percent. Earnings were up twenty two percent at Visa and twenty four percent at Mastercard. Uh, payment volume is enormous at these companies. Between the two of them, they have just doing the quick math in my head here, they have twenty two trillion dollars of annualized payment volume between the two of them. Wow. 
And it's roughly split 50-50 between the U.S. and international. There are 4.26 billion Visa cards in the world uh, between credit and debit cards, 3.26 billion MasterCards. These are massive, massive payment networks. They are not going anywhere. And what a lot of people don't realize is that the other companies we're going to talk about, like PayPal and Block, as well as a lot of these fintech startups and a lot of the crypto companies, it's not an either or, right? Um, you know, Visa wants companies like Block to do well because guess what? Those little cash cards have a Visa logo on them. Yep. They want these companies to do well, these fintech startups. That It's a win-win situation. I call Visa and MasterCard the ultimate war on cash stocks because whatever fintechs win the battle, Visa and MasterCard win too. Well, they've done a very good job, I think, through the years of finding new sorts of avenues or ways into that payments value chain, right? I mean, I think you make a very good point there in that you've got a lot of a lot of these sort of newfangled fintech companies that are they're doing neat things. I mean, we'll talk about embedded finance to an extent here in a little bit as well. But but they all rely on those rails at one point or another, right? I mean, you're seeing attempts at disruption there. You see things like Fed now and whatnot trying to basically invent new sets of rails to to give more choices, more options, uh, quicker trans, trans transmission of money, what you know, finances. But it all really does. It it seems to boil down to the fact that these are two businesses. These rails in Visa and Mastercard are just. They they are just inexorable parts of the value chain here when it comes to payments. No matter no matter what the company. Yeah, and, and it's also kind of worth mentioning that Visa and Mastercard don't have their hands in some areas of finance yet, especially person to person transfers, which PayPal and Block are both known for. That's a massive opportunity there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right. There they are the rails. It's not a complete duopoly. You have American Express and Discover in the U.S. Uh, and in a lot of foreign markets, Visa and Mastercard are not the dominant. You know, players like they are here. Um, if you if you go to you know some parts of the world, credit card acceptance isn't even that widespread yet. Yeah, you know, I've lived I've lived in a few of those places. <laughs> right. You you don't want to yeah. like you don't want to go backpacking through like you know certain parts of Latin America and not have a and not have cash. <laughs> like it, it doesn't really work out that well in a lot of cases. Yeah. But these aren't they're they're very mature and profitable businesses. Very profitable. You know, they have net margins that would make pretty much any other company jealous. But they're not mature to the point where they don't have any room to grow. There's a lot of international opportunity. I mentioned the person-to-person payments. There's business-to-business transfers that are very prevalent that no one's really figured out how to make money off of yet. But it's they are definitely the rails, and they're not going anywhere. You know, I'm glad you mentioned... Earlier that you know, I mean, we we look maybe a little bit more like geniuses with this war on cash basket. Maybe a couple of years back, obviously the performance was significantly higher than it. It is worth noting, Mary. This war on cash basket of Mastercard, Visa, PayPal, Block, and equal weightings. The inception date of July twenty fourth, two thousand and seventeen. It's worth noting this basket is still up one hundred thirty percent versus the market's one hundred five percent. So even with this pullback. Specifically, I mean, I look at companies like Block and PayPal. Even with the pullback in companies like those, the basket is still outperforming. Let's go to PayPal because I think this is a really, you know, this is an interesting story from a number of angles, right? I mean, PayPal, you talk about a business with so much potential, but one that's clearly going through some growing pains. 
There's new leadership. Hopefully, there's new renewed focus there. But Matt, why is the glass? Why, why is the market so so glass half empty on PayPal these days? Well, you mentioned the new leadership, and that kind of is one of the things that I'm excited to see if their growth strategy is a little bit more, like you said, focused. Their growth was very disjointed for a while. Yeah, I don't know if you remember when they were trying to acquire Pinterest. I do. Well, I mean, it seems like it goes back to that 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 phrase, everything app, right? They wanted to be this super app in in doing everything for everyone. And you know what? I just it doesn't feel like culturally, like culturally at least on this this side of the the world, it just doesn't seem like that's what consumers want. And I mean, I'm I'm a big Pinterest shareholder, so like, y'all, I'll take it. <laughs> but, but I was sitting there scratching my head, like, what are they going to do with it? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, they were going to buy them out for seventy dollars a share. It's, it's also worth noting. Yeah. So it was a very disjointed growth strategy. I would call it kind of all over the place. Uh, some of their acquisitions certainly made sense. Like Honey definitely made sense as an acquisition. Whether or not they overpaid for it's another conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of companies overpaid in 2021, 2022 for acquisitions, just based on the valuation environment at the time. It's not that yep. they management made bad decisions. And the other thing is PayPal had these very ambitious growth targets that it looked during the pandemic years like they were going to meet without any issue. For one, they have about 430 million active users right now. Their CEO, this was only a couple years ago, said, we're going to hit 750 million users in just a few years. That's a lot. <laughs> Clearly, that's been walked back a little bit since then. Yeah. The strategy has definitely shifted from, we're going to hit 750 million in a few years, then we're going to go on to a billion, and we're just going to go from there. Now it's gone to, we have 430 million good users. Let's figure out how to maximize them. The question is, can PayPal extract any more value out of its current user base? Um, Venmo in particular, it's has been very slow to monetize, I would say. But the numbers look better than the stock price might lead you to believe. PayPal's growing, not maybe as the market wants it to. The, the user base is actually declining a bit. But the users that they have, they're doubling down on, they're more engaged. Total payment volume is up 15% year over year. That's outpacing inflation, so this isn't just inflation-driven. Uh, revenue is up 8% year over year. Non-transaction, non-transaction expenses, which has been a big focus area there, is down 12% year over year, despite higher payment volume. That combination, 20% earnings per, earnings growth over year over year. Um, they're really engaging their, their members better. The average active PayPal account makes 50, 56.6 transactions per quarter. That's 13% higher than a year ago. So they're doing a great job of engagement. This is a absolute cash machine. This is a profitable business. A lot of people think of PayPal as a tech company, which in a lot of minds translates to unprofitable. <laughs> they, you know, they have like roughly $15 billion of cash on their balance sheet. They generate over $5 billion of free cash flow annually. Which right now they're putting it all into buybacks. Which I was going to say that's you know we talk about how how companies reinvest this, this capital, this cash flow. I mean, PayPal is really making a, a big effort here to buy back a lot of these shares right now. I mean, clearly they they see at least some value in in where the share is right now. Yeah, I mean they've bought they've retired you know five percent of their their shares in the past year. They're they've spent five and five point four billion dollars in buybacks during that period. Essentially, all their free cash flow is going into buybacks right now. Now, my hope is that they find some bolt-on acquisitions that could drive value. That's the preference. It's kind of like Warren Buffett says, our first priority is figuring out how to maximize our current business. Then we'll worry about buybacks and things like that. So, 
but that tells me that they see a real deep value here if they're not doing anything else with their money. <laughs> and I mean that, and I mentioned they have a lot of cash on their balance sheet, so that gives them a cushion to, you know, spend their money on buybacks and still be able to pursue acquisitions or whatever if they if they arise. But this is a very cheap business. It trades for less than I think less than fifteen times uh, forward earnings, like twelve times uh, for a while there. And if you had told me that was going to be PayPal's valuation a couple of years ago, we would have both thought that was kind of a a, a silly statement to make. It definitely seems like a bit of an overreaction to 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 the downside there. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that the market was necessarily rational, in, you know, in 2022 um, either. But but yeah, it do, it does feel like given. I mean, this is a company in fundamentally a very good position, right? I mean, good financials. I mean, playing into it, playing into a market where there are clear and obvious tailwinds that are that are not abating. So yeah, then it's going to really just kind of boil down to new leadership. Seems like new leadership is is has some focus there, trying to sort of pull back from that super app aspiration and really just dig down into to, to what they do really well, uh, which could could work out very well for the company. I mean, again, these these companies go through growing pains all the time, right? It's never a straight line up. Um, and speaking of never a straight line up, I mean, let's let's look at Block here because this this is another re- another really interesting story to follow here, right? The fintech, formerly known as Square, uh, now now it's Block, and it's it's got Square, it's got Cash App, it's got these crypto aspirations with Bitcoin, it's got Tidal, you know, and music streaming. I mean, I'm not exactly sure what the focus there. So we talk about PayPal, and maybe that we're a little bit relieved that it looks like this company's getting getting some focus back. I think it's a fair question to ask, at least with Block. I mean, is this a company that is losing focus? As you know, I've been a block shareholder for the long haul. I, I bought Me too. two days. I'm right I bought two you. days after the IPO. <laughs> um, I, I've, I've, I've ridden block from nine dollars a share all the way up to two hundred eighty dollars a share and back to where it is now. Boy. So I've been a fan of this company for a long time. Uh, the last time I saw you in person, we were interviewing uh, block co-founder Jim McKelvey. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, what a, that was a fun interview. So their growth strategy over the past few years, I could also describe kind of like PayPal's. It's like all over the place. But they weren't just talking about making acquisitions that didn't make sense. They actually did a couple. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Title, which I'm not really sure what the point of that was. Now that felt like either he was appeasing Jay Z, trying to kind of get tight in that club, or maybe this was just like a gamble on NFTs, which clearly that didn't work out so well. But any which way you cut it, I, I just don't see the logic in that deal. But thankfully, they didn't pay an arm and a leg for it. Yeah, and speaking of paying an arm and a leg, I'm glad yeah. you just used I that knew, phrase. I knew where this was going. <laughs> Um, so they also acquired Afterpay, yeah. which made sense. That is definitely a fit in the business, not for twenty nine billion dollars. That was a lot. Um, and thankfully, it was an all stock deal. So as their stock went down, the essential price they paid for the acquisition went down as well. I think it would be something like six billion dollars if you look at their current stock price. Stop doing that. Focus. <laughs> it's kind of my point with with Jack Dorsey. And the first line of his recent shareholder letter really made me smile. It said, quote, we've been quiet lately because we've been focused. And if you think about it, you really haven't heard any news from Block lately. You've heard a lot from PayPal, the new CEO, the, you know, the management shakeup, the strategy shift. You really haven't heard much from Block. Yep. And they're really focusing their efforts, and they're doing a lot of things that are very non-Jack Dorsey-esque, uh, in the sense that, number one, they're really focusing on controlling costs. He's generally a growth at all costs type of guy. 
They capped the number of employees they're going to have. They implemented a $1 billion buyback program, which that's the first time I've ever heard the words buyback and block in the same sentence. Their business, unlike PayPal, their business is still growing very, very rapidly. Gross profit was up 21% year over year in the, in the last quarter. Cash app still growing. The payments ecosystem still growing. The afterpay integration actually looks like it's adding significant value to the, to the business. But you know, they, there is a long way to go when it comes to reaching profitability. Out of the four we've talked about so far, this is the least profitable by a, by a long shot. Now, they could be very profitable today if they would stop pumping so much money into growth, rein in their expenses. I mentioned that's just now becoming a priority. They're a little late to the party with that. Um, and, you know, I mean, I mentioned they, they did a $1 billion uh, buyback authorization. That's not even going to cover their stock-based compensation for the year. Yeah, That's just really to offset it. So their share count's not going to go down even if they buy back a billion dollars worth of stock. So th- things like that really need to be brought under control for this to really return to its the level it was at before. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I appreciate you bringing up the buy now, pay later stuff, because I, I think in the very beginning stages of that market, I, mean, I think we all probably looked at it, at least with the healthy dose of skepticism. I mean, it, it seems ultimately like BNPL is, is more or less just credit card in, in a different name, right? But when you look at it, I mean, clearly consumers are are looking at that more and more as an option, right? And retailers are looking at that more and more as an option. And so, you know, I said it before, like if it's something that enables consumers to spend and it enables re- retailers to sell, then it's a value, right? And if you look at the Adobe Analytics, right, they're talking about for Cyber Monday alone, BNPL's gonna gonna grow nearly nearly 19 percent to, to close to to 785 million dollars in sales I mean it it is it's clearly an option that consumers are gravitating more and more towards and so even if even if block overpaid uh which is obviously something that's debatable but I think we probably would all agree they paid a lot maybe that is something that that does pay off down the road I mean we look at the tailwinds um, in, in in that market, I mean, maybe it is something that ends up ends up paying paying off. Matt, I, I wanted to dig into a few other companies in this space, companies that we like to follow, sort of tangentially, ones we don't get to talk as much about, but 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 companies that probably many listeners are very familiar. We, we wanted to start with Marketa, and I think that's a nice segue from Block into Marketa because Marketa in Block. They're kind of joined at the hip, aren't they? Yeah, well, Block is their biggest customer, specifically the Cash App, by yeah. by far. So, Marketa is a credit card infrastructure or a payment card infrastructure provider. I would is the best way I could describe them. In addition to be the being the company that provides the technology behind the Cash App card, they're also they also do things like um, they provide cards for Uber. They provide if you ever do an Instacart grocery order. They're the company that allows like a credit your credit card to be used in store without you physically being there with your card, so yeah. that your shopper can buy groceries on your behalf, things like that. Um, so they they provide the technology behind these things. Cash App makes up a big big part of their revenue, so it was a huge sigh of relief for investors when Cash App renewed its uh, <laughs> contract this year. Uh, that was up to to expire. I think it's now renewed. Big deal. through. Yeah, that that would have been kind of a nail in the coffin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's renewed through 2028, I believe. Yeah, four four additional years, I believe. Yep. And as a result, the company kind of reset this year. The new re- the renewal rates, as is re- rather common when you sign a new contract, 
The initial rate goes down, but you agree to four more years. So you saw their revenue decline by 43% year over year. But that doesn't tell the story about how the business is going. That's just because the cash app uh, rates went down quite a bit. If you look at the numbers, the, pay- the, the payment volume through Marquetta's platform is up 33% year over year. So they say, start judging our growth again in the third quarter of 2024. That'll be one year after the cash app renewal. So you'll see like kind of year over year comparisons of, of revenue that make, they're really apples to apples comparisons. High gross margin business, 67% gross margin. They have up $1.3 billion in cash. So they don't really have to worry about being profitable just yet. That's a, it's only a $3 billion market cap company. So that's a lot of cash on hand. And on an adjusted basis, they're on the verge of profitability, but their growth has been very, very impressive. I'd like to see them continue to diversify their revenue away from Cash App. But really impressive business, and it's a technology that is very much needed and is going to be increasingly needed as as those type of businesses really expand. Yeah, I suspect you're right. And you know, I mentioned embedded finance earlier in the show. And I mean, that really is what Marketa is. It's embedded finance. It's bringing those finance capabilities into apps that aren't necessarily fintech companies, right? You mentioned Uber, right? DoorDash, companies like that that rely on, you know, drivers or delivery drivers going in there and picking up something and, and needing to charge it to a card so that it then gets charged to the to the individual consumer buying the product or whatever. But yeah, that embedded finance market, it's it, it's it's an interesting one. It really is is growing as we see sort of the mobile economy, the digital economy, the gig economy continue to grow. It does feel like there's a lot of opportunity there for Marketa. And it was very good news to see them uh, con- continuing that relationship with Block because I have a feeling that that should pay off down the road. Uh, Matt, shift for payments. This is not a business I'm as familiar with. Uh, one that you follow. What does shift for do, and what do you like about them today? So they do payment processing and software for businesses. They're specifically concentrated in restaurants and hotels, and it's just kind of like the, one of the. It, they're the actual consumer facing like software terminals and things like that that you'll that you'll see when you go to pay, you know, for a hotel stay or things things of that nature. Pretty big and successful company, a little over $5 billion market cap, so bigger than Marketa, and and profitable on on a you know gap basis. They have a, a 6% net profit margin in the past 12 months. So it's a really successful business so far, very strong growth. Payment processing volumes grow, growing 36% year over year, 23% revenue growth. They get a percentage of transaction volume and some software revenue, things like that. Over the past five years, They've grown at a 48% annualized rate, like sustained wow. over four years, and in, including, you know, in this slowdown, they're still growing. Um, so their main focus is restaurants and hotels. They've kind of expanded that quite a bit in the past couple of years. Uh, stadiums and sporting venues and are, are a big, big focus area for them. They recently acquired a company called Appetize that gets them into a lot more uh, you know, st- uh, sports venues. I, I believe, I, if I remember correctly, that you're a golfer. I'm sure you've heard of Pebble Beach Resorts. You remember correctly. You remember correctly. <laughs> Pebble Beach Resorts is a, a recent big win of theirs that that added Shift Four as their payment processing uh, partner. And and uh, <laughs> and nonprofit organizations are another big um, big uh, vertical of theirs. Like Habitat for Humanity uses Shift Four as their payment software. So interesting, uh, you know, kind of a software play on on the payments industry. Well, finally, Matt, one that most listeners are probably pretty familiar with, 
may have heard of this company, Mercado Libre. It's what we talked about on occasion here. It's, it's not just a marketplace. Matt, I mean, this really is a fintech, a fintech play as well. How does Mercado Libre continue to gain share? Because it really feels like they have just got everything going in the right direction. Yeah, and they keep building out their ecosystem, and it's it's really impressive. Their profitability really has gotten much, much better in the past couple of years, too. And I mean, if I'm looking at some of these growth numbers, I'm, I'm thinking like, what slowdown? Like, you know, uh, on both sides of their business, you have the, the e-commerce platform, merchandise volumes up almost 60% year over year. And it's not just inflation because it, let's be fair, they operate in some countries where inflation is, you know, way, uh, <laughs> you know, Argentina, uh, inflation's over a hundred percent right now. Yeah. That's such so, a bad deal. What we've got going on here, right? right, right, right now. It kind of puts ours into perspective. <laughs> But the, the the number of items sold on the platform is up 26% year over year over year. So it's not just inflation. Right. On the payment side, total payment volume on the Mercado Pago is up over 120% year over year. You know, what slowdown? Uh, they're, they're really, you know, if you look at their numbers, you would have no idea that's going on. Their credit business is doing well. Uh, Mercado Credito is doing well. Forgive my terrible uh, Spanish accent. Um <laughs> <laughs> my my high school Spanish teacher would be very upset at me right now, uh, but their credit portfolio is growing and performing to expectations. And on the bottom line, they're very profitable. You, it's really rare you find a company growing revenue at almost seventy percent year over year with great bottom line profitability. They have an eighteen percent operating margin. Wow! Uh, so you know it's it's a powerhouse business. I'm not surprised it just recently hit a fifty two week high. Uh, one of my largest investments, and I'm sure a lot of people listening and people at the Fool could could say the same, uh, and for good reason. It's just a, you know, people always throw around this is you know an early stage blank, but this really is like an early stage Amazon, PayPal, all rolled into one. Sounds familiar. Sounds familiar, Matt. Well, listen, that's a lot of fintech in a short amount of time. We're gonna leave it there. But hey, thank you for making some time for us this week. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always good to get back together with you for a, a fun episode. As always, people on the program may have interests in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. I'm Mary Long. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.